we're back again. This is Our Brooklyn Bites, episode 132. I'm Stephanie. I'm Leon. How did your week off? Did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed the fireworks. I enjoyed the aerial bombs. Did you? The mortars going off. Yeah. You partake in this? No, absolutely not. I used to know people who used to spend thousands of dollars on fireworks every July Thou- 4th. Thousands? Seriously. Wow. Yeah. In Brooklyn, they don't really do fireworks anymore. Mm-hmm. It's been banned for a long time. But, you know, what, like 15 years ago, I remember driving in the neighborhood and there'd be like fires in the street, metal barrels burning, <laughs> where like people threw the fireworks into. It was just like a war zone. It looked like... And then the next morning, it was just paper everywhere, like burnt uh-huh. paper. And like, you can see it flying in the air and the smell. Remember those days? It was like Escape from New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wild days and now it's like if you hear like a couple of firecrackers it's you know unusual well it gets heavy in some spots mm-hmm. but they still do arrest people for having that stuff apparently yeah throw them in the slammer <laughs> i guess so yeah it's not legal around here but that doesn't stop some people i don't know i'm sure you kept up with other things so there's this package of games that came out called the sega archive collection or something mm-hmm these are Sega Genesis or, or Sega games for mobile devices, mm-hmm. Android and iOS. You know, Sega's been hyping this up a couple of weeks, I think about a month or two. And they did this really slick trailer for these games. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool. I was pretty excited for it. They were definitely making a big deal about it. We're going to bring back all your favorites. All the classics, right? They often get that criticism. They're like, Sega's sitting on all these old games, all mm-hmm. these old properties, and they're not doing anything with any of it. Yeah, that's what they say, but they do have that Genesis collection and mm-hmm. those flashbacks. So, they released a couple of, of the first games of this collection. They're going to release, I think, like, every month they're going to update it or mm-hmm. something like that. I think there were five. Altered Beast, Kid Chameleon, Fantasy Star 2, Comic Zone... And Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. But the Sonic the Hedgehog is actually based on the Christian Whitehead version, mm-hmm. which is more of like a remake of the original, which is actually a better version. Yeah, it's Genesis. a good thing that they went that way for that yeah. one. And as far as I know, I think that was always in, in the App Store. I don't think they ever was not. Right. But I guess they're just grouping it with these games for some reason. When I first saw it, I was pretty excited. I downloaded Altered Beast. And I put it on, and it had a menu, like an overlay menu. And it's like, oh, okay, they used the Genesis version. It's not the arcade version. Mm-hmm. All right, that's fine. So I played it a little bit. Seemed okay. You know, it's Altered Beast. I got up to the second level. I was like, all right, you know, I played this game a million times. It's fine. So I started reading some feedback on Twitter. People were talking about it. And it's getting a, like, a lot of negative press. People are saying they're bad versions, bad mm-hmm. emulation, all this stuff. I downloaded the other games, but I didn't check them out. They're all free. Right. So um, I said, let me go back and look at these games and see like what was so bad. Because the Altered Beast seemed okay. I don't know. Um, so I, I went back in and uh, I went back to Altered Beast. The sound is not 100% perfect. There's some crackly I noticed when I like blasted the audio and played it a little bit some more. There is a blurriness to the screen. Mm. Played around with the options. There's no options. So you can't... I don't know what it's called, the effect, but there's like a smoothing effect that some of the emulators do, which make the pixels look like a little softer. Yeah. And that's on permanently. You can't shut that off. Like, I like like a really crisp pixel, like when I play my old emulated games. Sure. There's very few options. And then the next thing I noticed, I said, well, let me try some of the cheat codes from Older Beast, right? Mm -hmm. So I put in... um, some of the menu cheats, you know, and then I noticed they don't work. Hmm. So I'm like, well, that's weird, because, like, is this not an emulated ROM? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, it should be the original ROM, right? It should be. Um, and that includes the continue cheat, too, where you hold, like, up and B or something to continue. Mm-hmm. That didn't work either. So, you know, definitely something's up. I tried out some of the other games. The Fantasy Star 2, not good. The audio is pretty poor. It's very crackly. Mm-hmm. It breaks up. The animation's not that smooth. I was kind of surprised because it's like Fantasy Star. There's really nothing going on. Yeah. But it definitely is not a good port of that game. Comic Zone, okay. You know, not horrible, but so-so. You know, Sonic is great. That's a good one. But that was good before. And what was the other one? Kid Chameleon? 
was never a big fan of that game, so mm-hmm. I didn't even try that one out. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay. The one thing they added that which was nice is that you can now use controllers with these games. Mm. So yeah. I thought that was pretty good. And that's a big deal because right away a lot of the negativity that you would expect on these releases is, well, they're on mobile and... Well, who wants to play these games with touch controls, right? Right, yeah. So, so naturally, now, they at least support control. Yeah, you can use controller, which is cool. Uh, I wish it had Apple TV support. It doesn't, which makes no sense to me, but mm-hmm. okay. You know, it has those on-screen controls, which I'm okay with. You know, like I said, I played Ultimate Beast, and that was fine. Kind of Star 2 seemed fine. But I know some people are like, can't get over the fact that those on-screen buttons just freak them out, so... All well, right, for an action game, I would, that's not the way I would want to play, but... It's not my first choice either, but I... For an RPG, okay. like, if, for Fantasy Star, I think it would be fine. Uh-huh. You know, unless it's really uh, on-screen and obscuring the graphics that you're trying to look at. That's a problem, because it is a little bit. You mm-hmm. can't adjust the opacity of the controllers. Yeah, because there's, like, an overlay that it puts onto yeah. the screen. It's uh-huh. not as if it's designed with touchscreen in mind, since it is the original game. It is. Yeah. yeah. And these are all Genesis games, too. They didn't do any arcade ports or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You can't resize the buttons. I mean, this is pretty bare bones. You can't adjust really any settings. It has cloud save, which was kind of nice, but I've been reading that that was kind of broken in the beginning, where people were playing and either their game was getting corrupted or the cloud save wasn't working. Oh, wow. I don't know about high score saving. I don't think it has any Game Center stuff. Hmm. But it seems a little rough, right? So then, you know, we did a little research, and uh, I think Eurogamer, maybe? In an interview that these games are actually based on the original iOS games that were released back in 2010 or 2009. Mm -hmm. And they just repackaged them. So these are old games. They didn't put any work into them. So that's why they play not great and... Well, the issue, I think, was that these are now using some kind of Unity wrapper, and they blame the poor performance on that. They feel like because these are Unity-based, the emulation code is not as good as it could be. Yeah. And there was even some further digging that they did because there are emulators on these mobile platforms that do play well Mm -hmm. and that you can play these games. Like if you have the Android version of like MD.EMU, you can load up the game in that and it's fine. Yeah, it works great. Uh huh. So what's the big problem? Why are they doing this? And it turns out... They had approached the authors of RetroArch Mm -hmm. to do the games using their emulation. And they couldn't come to a business agreement as to how that was going to be licensed or how it was going to be used. Sega decided they wanted to retain ownership of the code or something to that effect that Mm -hmm. they couldn't work it out on a business level. So they decided to do this Unity option. This resulted in them going in with that path, even if it's less than optimal yeah. In terms of actual gameplay. Right. Uh, the Sonic game that you mentioned, since that was natively coded, and it's not using emulation, it's just a rebuilt version for mobile, mm-hmm. that one plays fine. Yeah. But that's what sets it apart from the other games that mm-hmm. aren't as good. Yeah, I think Sonic 2 also. But not Sonic CD. That's not in there. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. That could be a later Maybe. release. Yeah. I know. I think it's still on the App Store, as far as I know. It's mm-hmm. on my Apple TV still. But... As part of this suite, it's free to play, and then you can buy the Unlock. If you can you buy get the, the Unlock. Version. If you bought the original games back when they first released, you can kind of log in and unlock it mm-hmm. so you don't get the ads. You'll still get Sega ads, they say. I, I don't know what those differences are. But, you know, I think for most people that these games are fine. I think for the person that says, oh, Altered Beast, I remember playing that 30 years ago, whatever, 20 years ago. That's cool. And they might play it once or twice, you know, mm-hmm. deal with the ads, because it's probably fine. But for people like us, who are a little pickier on how things sound, how they look, and... Yeah, whether it's authentic or not. Yeah, it's uh, not good. These are not good releases. And it's kind of a shame that Sega screwed up. Especially that they've had this on consoles for years now. Yeah. They've had the Ultimate Genesis Collection... And those games were perfect emulations of the Genesis games. They got it right once, so why would they mess with the formula? Yeah, and there's no excuse for 2017 that you can't get a 16-bit game running 100% perfect. There's no reason for that. It comes back to business. This is the best solution. They said Unity allows us to port it to other systems effortlessly, and this is why we went with that platform. Uh-huh. They shouldn't be willing to sacrifice quality for that. It 
puts a sour note on the release and it makes them look a little bit bad to people who care about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully the early criticisms that they've gotten about this right out of the gate is going to prompt them to rethink their strategy and hopefully course correct it before there's 10, 15, 20 more games coming out right. all, all messed up. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of the next games are going to be some of the other iOS games that were on the store that got pulled at some point. So like Space Harrier 2, Streets of Rage 1 through 3, don't remember the other ones now. Mm. But those will probably be the next batch. Mm-hmm. It seemed like this was something for like the Sega fanboys. Here we go, like this is it. But yeah, really, when it comes down to it, this is really just for the average gamer. Like, you know, right. the person who goes out and buys a flashback, you know, who doesn't care... You know, they're not freaking out that the sounds are two decibels higher or, you know, mm-hmm. the pitch is off, you know, one tiny tone or something. You know, like that type of criticism. Right. Well, that's what they want to go for the mass audience. They're not interested in appeasing just the 10,000 people who are hardcore about this stuff. Apparently, yeah. But that's not the impression I think a lot of us got from those teaser trailers. Mm-hmm. Right. But we'll see because they also teased some things like Sega Master System games, Dreamcast. mm and uh, I think that there were never any Sega Master System games on mobile that I know of. Mm, officially. Officially. Yeah. Uh, Dreamcast was Crazy Taxi. Well, that's what I think they're teasing with in terms of Dreamcast. They're not going to recode those games. No, and there is already Crazy Taxi on the store. So, so they already have games like Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio. Right, which was pulled a long time ago. They'll be back. You know, mm-hmm. so they're just kind of reissuing the games they've already got. Uh-huh. Makes sense. But people are obviously hoping for more obscure titles, things that have never come out or yeah. that have never been ported, you know? Yeah, well, I'll probably keep waiting at this point. I mean, they did well with the version that they released on Steam. Perfect emulation, what, 100 games or something? Mm-hmm. And then they had the workshop set up where you can upload your hacks and mods and everything. It was like this whole user environment, yeah. which I thought was really cool. Like, that, they seemed to do perfect. Mm-hmm. But this... Not so much. You wonder why these companies, why we pirate stuff, because they don't know how to do this stuff right, mm-hmm. you know? Unless there's just no money to be made, and they just try to do it the cheapest way possible. Because they even released the Mega Man series on mobile not too long ago, and those were complete disasters. Like, yeah. the frame rates were awful, just completely unplayable. Right. It's frame skips and games like this where accuracy really matters. Yeah. Reflex-based. I mean... It doesn't make sense. It's almost as if this is just a situation where Capcom Japan is just doing their own thing and completely ignoring the mm-hmm. stuff that was done in the U.S., even though the stuff that was done here was more accurate and true to the original games. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with technology. It has nothing to do with technical limits or why they can't get a perfect version. It's just, you know, one business unit decided to put this thing out, and they just went with what they had, yeah. and they didn't really look into everything else that was available maybe maybe they didn't want to pay a fee maybe digital eclipse was asking for a piece of it if they used their code who knows what it was i think the first volume did not sell very well Mm -hmm. and i'm sure that came into play when they wanted to do the next volume and they says well you know our first game didn't sell why should we do the next one that's crazy and they said we can't especially at this budget that we used forget it you know how can we do it still and then do it as cheap as possible Mm -hmm. and that's what you end up with Mm. Maybe they'll learn, maybe they won't. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's the the bad news, the sad news Mm. that Sega just can't get it together. Uh But, you know, I did play another game, and, you know, this one, a little bit better, maybe. It's called Zip Zap. It's also on Android and iOS. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one is from Camibox. It's from a a guy named Philip Stolenmeyer. It was released this year. It's a physics mechanical puzzle game. Mm-hmm. So the best way to describe it, it's a little bit tricky, but you've ever seen erector sets? Sure. Okay. I never had one myself, but I do remember seeing them. So like the pieces on erector sets were like these like metal kind of girders with holes in them yeah. where you can like attach other pieces together. So that's kind of how this puzzle game is laid out. You have control over this like erector piece. It's all like a black and white sort of look, and then some pieces are one solid color, so it's very minimal looking. It's one screen only, and the object is you'll have a white 
outline on the level, and you need to cover that outline for like three or four seconds. It's with, like a with an object. It's like a circle or an exit, a goal sort of, right? Yeah, that's sort of like the goal is to get yeah. a piece on that covered mm-hmm. for that amount of time, and then the board clears and you're on to the next stage. So it starts off kind of easy, where. Uh, I think in some of the early levels, they give you a ball to work with, mm-hmm. but you have this uh, erector piece. All the controls are just tapping the screen. It's just one tap, and that's it. So it depends on what piece they give you on the level, and you only control one piece per stage. Mm-hmm. So, like, one level could be a swinging arm, right? Like, your erector piece is attached to a stationary object, and every time you tap, the piece will kind of swing and then you want to control the momentum of the swing, you know, by tapping in the certain points. Mm-hmm. And then you might swing it fast enough where it hits the ball and the ball moves towards the hole and it covers it and the level ends. Or maybe like the ball is thrown at you and then you have to swing the arm to hit it like a baseball bat. And you have to try to hit the ball in a way where it hits the spot where that hole is, you know, and cover that. Mm-hmm. And then there's some levels where the pieces are assembled like a Y shape. Like a really simple snake thing. A snake or an L shape. Uh-huh. And when you tap the screen, the pieces will, will sort of bend and fold at the joints. Yeah. And then you have to control that momentum of it expanding and contracting and how it bounces on the screen and moves around until you can get your piece over that little like white spot on the level and mm-hmm. cover it. That's kind of it. It starts off really easy. Like, I remember playing it. I'm like, oh, you know, this is kind of simple, right? And by the time I got to maybe, like, the second, third stage, it starts getting pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. And then it gets really difficult, like, later on. And that's sort of, like, why I'm, like, sort of got annoyed with this game because... Like, I liked the concept in the beginning, but then later on, I felt like it relied purely on luck. It was kind of, well, if I just tap this enough times, like on some levels, eventually the piece will do what it has to do, and then, you know, I'll complete the level. Or there were some things where I thought I was doing it right, and I had to actually go to YouTube and look at a tutorial Mm. just to make sure, because it's like, I think I'm doing this right, but for some reason, like, I can't get the piece to do what I need to do go to YouTube and then see, and it's like, all right, well, that's exactly what I'm doing. But I guess my timing, it's like one nanosecond off, you know, and that's what it's looking for. Mm -hmm. And that's all it came down to. It's like, well, let me do this for another half hour of just tapping it until the piece does what I need to do. And eventually through trial and error, you know, it'll it'll happen. (laughs) Half an hour, really? (laughs) Some stages was an hour. I spent an hour on one. Well, just keep tapping it until I get to the right spot. So there's no penalty for not getting it right? Well, if you don't get it right, you can just swipe the screen and restart it. Okay. But you can do that any amount of time as you want. Any amount of time, yeah. There's 100 levels, and there are no in-app purchases. Mm. So the game was $1.99, I think it is. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure I picked it up at a discount. I think I liked it, but I got really frustrated on the last 50 levels. Mm -hmm. It was tough. It was really tough. The difficulty tends to increase towards the end of the game? Much greater, yes. Mm-hmm. And they don't really prep you for that? They do. I, it's just, I, I don't know, like, some of it's skill, I guess. I mean, there's some kind of, because it is a puzzle, so there's some kind of, like, you know, trying to figure out how to solve the puzzle, but I think getting there is not always relying on skill as much as maybe luck. It's more of, you know, did I press this in the right time and... Especially when you when you do some of the physics stuff where things have to bounce, mm-hmm. or when you're doing like the pendulum thing that has to swing around, and or more like the seesaw where you tap to create forward momentum and then release to do backwards momentum and keep doing that left and right until oh, your okay. thing spins in a circle. Uh-huh. Uh, that can get a little bit tricky on the timing, and it was funny. Like there were times where I was tapping on the screen almost like as if the screen was pressure sensitive because I felt like. The harder I tap it, like, the more pressure would go on the game. And, like, every time I would press my screen, I would see, like, the little rainbow effect when you press an LCD too hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had to, like, stop myself on a couple of times. Like, say, don't ruin my screen. <laughs> you really got into it. Yeah. You like these puzzle-type games. Yeah, I do. I, I play a lot of puzzle games. Uh-huh. I think, like, the iPhone and iPad, like, perfect device for a puzzle. Like, I used to play them on the DS all the time. Sure. With the stylus, and I felt like that was, at the time, that was, like, the perfect way to play those type of games, but mm-hmm. for me, it's this, because they're quick, and, you know, levels are fast, and, except for, like, some of the later ones, which took me much longer to do. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was how I spent my 4th of July, mm-hmm. besides eating hot dogs <laughs> and hamburgers. Uh, favorite pastime of mine. But how about in your games? Were there any fireworks? Did you even play anything? I mean, you had two weeks. You had to play something, <laughs> right? And what did you do with yourself? I messed around with a few games since last time. Yeah. A few different ones. I didn't really devote myself completely to any one particular game. Just bouncing around? Just tried out a few things. As always, playing a little bit of Nuclear Throne. That's my... That's your go-to game, right? That's my daily, like, I want to get a game or two in. It's funny. Every time I sign into Steam, it tells you, like, what your friends are playing. And I always see your name there with, like, Mm -hmm. Nuclear Throne on it. Yeah. It's a game that is still challenging. After Which is amazing, because you're so good at it. (laughs) Like, what you say is challenging, you get way further than I ever can get in that game. It's just because I keep playing it. it yeah, it's the type of game that you need to sink hours and hours. Actually, the game that I had last week, I got the furthest that I've ever gotten before. I encountered a new boss that I've never even seen before. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that it could exist. Apparently so. I was huh. surprised to see it, too. After beating the game on the first run-through, and then I was on the second loop through the game where just new stuff is being introduced. And I got pretty far. And all of a sudden, there's like a, a new boss. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know there were bosses this far. No, and we've watched so much gameplay of that, and you've played it through so many times. Mm-hmm. One of the game producers told us, he said they made content for three loops through the game. Oh. There's original stuff. Yeah, but that- I think we've watched playthroughs of at least three loops. Maybe. And maybe not all the way through. The one video that we were watching a lot of, the one guy that was playing a lot, mm-hmm. he might have had a modded version of the game. There's a lot of mods for this game, too. There are, I noticed. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was playing some custom version of it. I, I'm not into the mod scene for this game, so I don't really know what people do with it. There is one particular style of mod that I would like to see for the game, because... The game has a type of structure where, you know, you're kind of progressing towards an end goal and you go through different stages. And I would like to see a mode in the game where you can just play one particular level like over and over again. Like one particular scenario like uh, the sewers or, um, you know, the wasteland or something like that. You know, in the normal game... Well, in the normal game, you play like two or three of those levels and then you beat the boss of that level and then you go on to the next level. I would like a mode where you just continuously play new rounds in the same level without really oh, progressing. Oh, like an endless mode. Yeah, but kind per of. per stage only. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they, they might exist. Yeah. I haven't really figured out how the mods work in this particular game. I think the problem is a lot of these mods are around a specific version of the game. But the game's gotten patched beyond that point. So I would have to make like a separate folder of the game and oh. try to get it at that specific level. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a beta version of the game or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I didn't really look into it. But that's on my wish list for this game. If they had something like that, that would be good. What about Screen Shake? Do you prefer it on or off? I tend to lower it. You do lower it. Okay. Yeah, it's a little excessive. What about an EDF? Mm-hmm. Did you lower it or touch it at all? Because I turned it off in that. It didn't occur to me to check for that, so, really? I, so I never turned it off. Screen shake bothers me. I don't like that in games. Yeah. I thought that was just part of the game, and I didn't know there was an option to change yeah, that. Yeah, an option. I guess because I played the other games, I knew about it, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you mentioned EDF. I went back to play EDF a little bit, also. Do You don't say, huh? You know, EDF 4.1, the last game we talked about. Uh, I went back to play some more missions as the Wing Diver, because that's the other class that I didn't mm-hmm. play on my normal playthrough. I rather like it quite a bit. I think it's a fun character. It definitely speeds up the game a bit. Yeah, she has much better mobility. And that's really refreshing, considering how much time I spent running around as the ranger. Mm -hmm. The ability to fly around and the weapons being tied to the same power source. You know, the plasma generator on her backpack. Mm -hmm. That's not as much fun, because as you're jumping around, you're burning energy. And as you're shooting, you're also burning the same energy. So you have to keep an eye on that meter to make sure that you stay above zero. Because if it bottoms out, then you have to wait for it to completely recharge. Right. So that part of it, I wasn't that crazy about. But I still got used to it. I'll probably play a little bit more at some point. I'm not rushing to get back to it. How far did you get? 
I definitely got up to the beach mission again, mission 14. 14. And I tried playing that a few times to try to pick up some better weapons. There's one stage where it starts off and all the wing divers are trapped on the web. Yeah. You still start off as a wing diver? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was pretty early on. That was Mm -hmm. like... Like Like three or something, right? Yeah, mission three or four, somewhere around there. Mm. Yeah, you still have the same role to play. Okay. First time around, I didn't realize I could free them by shooting the webs down. That is one of the tips that come up, but I don't know if I got it in time for that mission. It's a great game. For the money, you get a lot of replay out of it. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, I do Uh want to play it again. I want to see how much further I can get. I want to see the weapons more than anything. I just want to see if I can pick up anything interesting and how effective they might be. Did you ever see how many hours it took you to beat that game? Originally? The first yeah, run through? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think it was around like 18 or so. 18? Wow. Mm-hmm. I spent 30. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I got some good weapons. I think that sped up a lot of the missions. Yeah, probably. I didn't get good weapons until way later, halfway through the game. Mm-hmm. But there was another game I checked out, and it's actually a brand new game that I picked up. Oh, yeah. That I was eager to play. So I dug into it a little bit. Picked up a game called Next Machina. I don't know if you've heard of this game. I have. Yeah, so it's Next, N-E-X, not Next. Not Next. <laughs> right. Okay. And Machina is spelled like machine, but machina. with an A at the yeah, end. I always called it Machina. Yeah. And I don't really know what it means. I, I, I was waiting for that explanation. Like, you were going to tell me. Well, like, what does this mean? I don't know why they picked this title for this game. Like, what is Next? What is that? Beats me. Oh, okay. I, I'm not really sure. I, it definitely has something to do with machines and robots. That's a good start. It's by Housemark. They're a studio based in Helsinki, Finland. They've done games like Resogun and Super Stardust. Oh, that's one of theirs. All right. And Dead Nation. Mm-hmm. So they make a lot of games that are tributes to classic arcade games in yes. a lot of ways. So the same way that Resogun was kind of a reincarnation of Defender... This has got the same idea, but with Robotron in mind. Mm-hmm. They like that pixel scatter effect. Definitely. Yeah, it's a voxel-based engine mm-hmm. where there's just tons of particles and chunks of pixels flying in all directions. Yeah. But it's not a 2D pixel art style. It's more of like a 3D, very shiny, polished mm-hmm. version like of that. Like Gun was. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this game, obviously, is a twin-stick shooter. A genre that I have an automatic interest in. So do I. (laughs) But I had a more immediate interest in this game because it was made in cooperation with Eugene Jarvis, the mind behind Robotron 2084. One of your, or possibly favorite game of all time, Mm -hmm. maybe? Yeah, yeah. So it's a natural fit. You know, obviously Smash TV as well. Yeah. (laughs) So a good game too. Yeah, right. And you can see the resemblance or the uh, the similarities in design. So this game was available on both PlayStation 4 and PC. I picked it up on Steam because I had an additional discount that was applied to this game. How did you do that? Because I owned one of their earlier games, a game called Outland. Mm, okay. And that was in my Steam library, so I got an extra 10% off on it. Nice. Normally a 19.99 game, new release. But I got it for thirteen ninety nine with all of the discounting that was done on it. I think there was a discount, like a launch discount. You know, like uh, buy it in the first week and you get this much off. Okay. And then I got like an extra little bit off. Besides the twin stick movement and the bullet shooting control with the two analog sticks, you've also got shoulder buttons. One is for a dash move, which you can use to barrel through enemies or cross barriers things like that. And then you've also got another for the special weapon. And these are picked up in the levels as you're playing. And these include things like rocket launchers and smart bomb and a sword. So a lot of variety. A sword, huh? Yeah. You can slash enemies really close to you. Oh, nice. Uh, Some work better against certain enemies and some might work better in certain levels depending on what the environment is. So it takes a little experimentation to figure out what you prefer to use and and where to use it. But they're random drops, so it's kind of hard to plan which one you're going to get. Sometimes you'll see a power-up, and it'll cycle through the different weapons. So you could conceivably wait for the one that you want to come up, but you still have to, like, stay alive in the environment until that happens. That's a very, like, classic video game thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
there's also other power-ups that you can pick up, like Shield and Dash Explosion, which uh, creates like a burst around you when you do a dash maneuver. Um, spread Shot, stuff like that. So, a lot of stuff that you can do in this you game. You don't have to collect hundreds of VCRs and <laughs> gold bars? Not in this one. Okay. It's a good question, because... While this game has been often referenced as a modern-day Robotron, I do see a lot more overall similarities to Smash TV and its structure and the way it's laid out. Because there's more of like a room-to-room dynamic. You have a feeling of like when you're fighting in this game, you can kind of see like the other areas around the level that you're on. And when you clear the level that you're on, it warps you to the next room, which could be like just over the edge of the screen, or it could be, like, wrapped around the world in some way. It definitely has that feeling. Did they ever give you an overhead map of the game board, like Smash TV? Uh, No, no. There's Mm. no, like, awareness of where things are. It doesn't give you a map. But, like Robotron, there is this element of rescuing and picking up humans, wandering the levels. And that's part of the story of the game, too. The idea is that humans have gotten really distracted with technology. So the humans in this game stumble around with like their faces buried in smartphones and tablets and other things. They're so busy staring at their devices, they don't realize what's going on around them and how the robots have taken over the world. <laughs> you run around and try to rescue the humans before the robots kill them or absorb them. Sometimes they do morph the humans into a mutant type of creature, Mm. and it becomes like a new type of enemy. Uh, As you pick them up, there's a combo bonus. Once you rescue a human, you have five seconds to pick up another human, and if you can do that, it'll continue to building up your combo. And the humans kind of wander around in pockets of the level. Most of the time, they're unharmed by enemies around them, but there are specific enemies that will hunt down the humans. So you have to pick up the humans before that happens. They're these kind of these large, hulking type of slow-moving robots. You can usually see when they're kind of zoning in on, a, on where a human is. You do hear a sound that reminds me of Gauntlet a little bit. There's a certain Gauntlet sound that comes up when the human is being attacked. And actually, I should say, the game feels maybe that it could be a little bit like Gauntlet, too. Hmm. Just because the levels are kind of big. and uh, Oh, they're not just single-screen levels? There's definitely scrolling. Huh kind of large rooms. And there's no map, like, to overhead as you're playing. Right. Okay. Yeah, but is that maze-like where you can get trapped and lost? And... Uh, not really, no. Okay. When a human is being attacked, there's a red arrow that shows you which way that's happening. And actually, you have arrows pointing to all the humans kind of all the time. So there's green arrows when the humans are safe, and you can follow those to pick them up. But if one of them lights up and turns red, you know that that's the one that you need to concentrate on. And it is possible for multiple humans to get attacked at once, so... Do we really want to save the humans, though? Haven't they done (laughs) enough damage to this planet already? Uh, I don't know who you are in this game. I didn't take the time to figure that out. I didn't... I don't know... They don't tell you? Like, if you're an android yourself? Uh, I'm not really sure. Maybe it does. You're like the rogue robot turned against the other robots. That's possible. I don't rule it out. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. When the humans are being threatened... And, you know, the robot's trying to like, absorb him or whatever he's doing. You could destroy the robot attacking him and then pick him up. Or you could just scoot in and pick up the human before the robot's done. And he kind of makes this frustrated sound like you stole away his treat or something. Hmm. There's certain special enemies around. There's these things called visitors, which look like long centipedes. You have to hit all the segments to get a certain bonus if you blow those up. There's a thing called a disruptor, which shows up as kind of like a beetle creature that scurries around. And there's beacons, which are just these stationary towers, and you can blow those up and you get a certain bonus. I'm not really sure what the effects of destroying all of these special enemies are. They are added up at the end when you complete a world and it shows you your total bonuses and tallies. It has a separate section for those. So they must count for something. I'm not really sure what, though. There's other secrets to uncover, too. There's secret humans. Sometimes somewhere in the environment, there might be a human trapped in a cabinet or a wall or something, and you can set them free and you can pick it up. And the announcer tells you you found a secret human. Is there any clues to know where those humans are, or are you just randomly... Uh, not in any obvious way. Okay. They're always in the same spot, I think. So once you've played enough and you know the levels, you could always hunt those down or chase them to find them. There's even secret exits. 
So you might open up uh, an alternate exit to the board that you're on. And this is done by shooting an arcade cabinet in the background. Sometimes you'll see an arcade cabinet, and if you shoot it, it blows up, and then there's like a green door there. And when you clear the board that you're on, you'll exit through that door instead of the normal one. Like some other games, you want to keep the last few enemies alive to not end the stage prematurely so that you can explore all these little hidden things. And uh, one thing that kind of messes me up is that some enemies are tougher than others and require multiple hits to kill them. So I can't always shoot my way through a mob the way I'm used to in a game like Robotron, where I see this swarm of like 50 enemies coming and I need to just clear a path. Yeah. And a lot of times that works in this game, especially in combination with the dash maneuver. The dash can just blast through a bunch of enemies in one shot. But that also has like a recharge meter on it. So once you do a dash, you see like a little semicircle over your character. And you can't dash again until all that fills up. There is a certain power-up that gives you a triple dash. So you can do three dashes before it has to recharge. But I don't always have that equipped, so I'm not really used to playing that way. So I have to train myself a little bit to be aware of what those extra tougher enemies are. So I don't kill myself. Because that's a lot of times what will happen is I'm shooting and I just end up running right into him because he's not dead when I thought he would be. So they don't give you good enough guns where you can just like blast through like a flamethrower or something? Well, you just have a basic uh, laser type of weapon and then you get those special weapons. You can also use those. So if you alternate between shooting and then using that sword, for example, that'll get you through a lot of those type of enemies. But, you know, you just have to get better at it (laughs) until you're used to it. And another thing I found is that uh, those extra abilities are mapped to the shoulder buttons, right? And either shoulder button works, L1, L2, or R1, R2. But my trigger fingers naturally rest on... L2, R2, on the lower triggers, right? Mm -hmm. But those are more like analog style, and they take a little longer to press. (laughs) So I find that it's just a little too slow pressing those buttons, waiting for that action to occur sometimes. Like, I'm talking nanoseconds, probably. Yeah. So I think I have to try to focus on the topmost buttons. That's like more immediate button presses. That's some of the difficulties that I've run into just initially playing this game. The music, I think, is really good. It really accompanies the game well. It's got that great synthwave beat that a lot of these retro-style games are using. A good amount of, like, Amiga Tracker-style influence as well, which I think is what this studio grew out of. Their first game, actually, Stardust, was originally an Amiga game. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's a game that they've remade several times already. Yeah, because it was on PS3, right? They brought it back for PS3, and then there's a version for PSP. I think it even came back on PS4. Mm -hmm. So that continues to be one of their um, recurring games. Overall, the structure of the game, it's spread out over six worlds. There's about maybe 20 levels each. And each world has a different theme to it, different enemy styles, different types of hazards... You run into, like, some enemies that shoot, like, just laser cannons, and they create barriers by shooting these laser weapons. Some of them you can dash through, some of them you can't, so you have to learn what the visual language of the game. And each of those worlds ends in, like, a big boss encounter, naturally. That's expected, right? Nice. <laughs> the main mode is arcade mode, which you progress through each of these worlds sequentially. But there's some other modes. I haven't really explored them yet. There's also four different difficulty modes. I played it on easy initially, and then the next level up is not even like regular or medium. It's called experienced. So like once you've already learned the game, you move up to like the normal difficulty. What's the penalty for playing on an easier level? Anything? There isn't really a penalty. It's just the game is just more forgiving. Mm. It gets progressively harder with each one. Enemies are tougher. They act more aggressively. You get, I think, 99 continues with the experience mode. So you're going to die a lot in this game. You're constantly blowing up. But you respawn almost in the exact same spot. I mean, there's really very little downtime. You have your set of lives, but then when you exhaust those lives, you're given the chance to continue. And when you continue, then you start over that level, that specific level that you're on. But you don't have to, like, repeat the whole world or anything like that. I mean, you can pretty much restart right on that spot. And that's pretty much the taste of the game that I've gotten so far. 
Uh, I'm still kind of warming up to it. Still not finished with it? I've gone through the whole game already. You have? Okay, how many levels? Whatever the math works out to. 100 levels, maybe? 100? Something like that. Not bad. You know, maybe yeah. maybe a few more? I'm not really sure. I was wondering if it was... When you said arcade, the game would just play forever and it would just loop at some point, or you would get to, like, an end boss? Yeah, there's, there's definitely a final ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you said it was co-op, or you didn't... I think there is a co-op mode. Okay. You can play two players simultaneous. I didn't really look at all the modes. Smash TV was two player, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What about Total Carnage? Two or four? I think it's the same. Two, okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, but it's fun. Nice. I am enjoying it. Looks good. I, I've had that on my wish list too. I didn't realize that sale on um, summer sale. Mm-hmm. I, I must have overlooked it, but um, I'll pick it up at some point. You might get mad at this game because you you blow up and die pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, but but that's like a lot of those games, like Robotron. Is, yeah, um, it's easier than Robotron. Well. I'm going to say yes. Okay. <laughs> but that's not really... I mean, we're talking... I mean, Smash TV is points. a tough game, too. Mm-hmm. Um, at least for me. I'm not very good at it. I'd probably spend close to $50 to beat that game. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say this game is definitely more complex and nuanced than just a, a regular arcade game. You could play it like that, but there's definitely other things you could do to help okay. your play style along. Sounds good. Yeah. Eugene Jarvis still making games, huh? Yeah, he's still in the business. He runs that company called Raw Thrills. That sounds dirty. <laughs> I don't know where they got the name from, but they made the most recent Jurassic Park arcade game. Games that you see in like uh, Dave and Buster's or you know one of those modern arcades, like Angry Birds. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I know. There was that Angry Bird shoot 'em up, right? In the arcade? I think. But I think that was just like a straight Yeah, that was probably like mobile yeah. version. I don't think yeah. They don't I don't think they sell that license to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I heard there might even be a chance that this game could become an arcade game from Raw Thrills. Oh. I, I don't know if that's a hundred percent. But I mean can't you you could do it in any game. Just get a cabinet, put a PS4 mm-hmm. in there and a monitor and I it's suppose. Done. Sure. I yeah. you just have to like I guess change it for a coin operation. Mm-hmm. Could be that hard. I'm sure there's a way to do it. Yeah. Any DLC? Maybe. Okay. I haven't seen anything. Well, it's funny that you brought up the Steam sale because for my pickup stuff, hmm. I did do a little shopping on the summer sale. Oh, yeah? Okay. And I bought on the Steam sale Jazz Punk DLC, which I totally forgot about. I just so happened to be reading a forum and someone mentioned it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was like my favorite game of like last year. Yeah. So I picked that up. Uh, Centris, which is a rhythm puzzle game, mm-hmm. which looked kind of interesting. I played that at PAX East a few times. And the original Geometry Wars from mm-hmm. Xbox. Okay. And the reason why I picked that up was because I feel like at some point I'm going to pack my Xbox 360 away. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as many of those type of, like, quick arcade type games that I can grab and still keep... I feel like that game is still relevant today. Like, sure. I, I can just put that on right now and play it. Yeah, well, I could say there's definitely an influence in the game that I just talked about. Right. Yeah, that's another um, one. You know. all, they all share that same mm-hmm. type of gameplay and everything. So, um, it was cheap and, you know, I figured that would be a good one. Mm-hmm. I also... There was that PSN sale, mid-year sale or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they had some pretty good deals on there. I didn't go too crazy, but I picked up God of War 3 Remastered for the PS4, mm-hmm. which uh, I have part one and two, and I played through both, but I didn't finish part two. I'm still in the middle of that, but I don't think I'll ever go back to it. I got kind of bored. Okay. It was, it's a pretty long game. So three, I don't know much about it, but it was cheap. It was like $2. <laughs> and, but it looked okay. I'm like, I don't know. Is God of War 3 any good? Do you know anything about it? I never played it. All right. So, I don't know, maybe I'll get to it one day. Mm-hmm. I also bought Fat Princess Adventures, mm-hmm. which was like a top-down action RPG. Yeah. And a game called Soul Axiom, which is a first-person puzzle game. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. reminds me of, I was looking at some videos of it, and it looked a little bit like a Talos Principle Light, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been on my wish list. I like the look of it because it's got that Tron look to it. It does, yeah. But, Lots of glowing things. Yeah, I don't know much about it, though. I don't either. Mm-hmm. Even even after reading and watching videos, I still don't know mm. much about it. But I, you know, I didn't spend a whole lot; just a couple of games here and there. Not bad. Good haul. Yeah. 
I picked up a few things on the sale. I didn't really go too crazy this time, but there were a few things that were nagging at me from previous sales that mm-hmm. I meant to pick up that I didn't get. So apart from that new game, Next Machina, uh, I also picked up Flight Control HD. Now, you might remember Flight Control as one of those very early... That was like an iPad launch game. Uh, iPad, yeah, like very simple, like just land the planes before they crash into each other. Mm-hmm. And they made a version for Steam. I'm like, oh, okay. I like that game, and I see that there's like a lot of new levels on this one. So let me just pick it up. It was cheap. It was like a, a buck twenty-five or something. I'm worried that as an old game, it's going to go away when iOS finally goes all 64-bit. Well, it did go away. Well, it was delisted, so you can't buy it on iOS anymore. Yeah, if you delete it, I don't know if you can get it back either. I'm not sure if it's been completely removed, okay. but I know you probably can't play it going forward because mm-hmm. that game's not being maintained anymore. And I also got a game called Pollen, which is a game that I saw in, at PAX a few years ago. It looked interesting. It's uh, like a mystery, sci-fi, like first-person exploration type of game. It's set on the largest moon of Saturn called Titan, and something's happened there, and you got to go investigate and figure out what's going on. Now, you know I love moon games. You do. You want to be an astronaut. Um, eh, if it's not too expensive or dangerous, I would do it. <laughs> but I think so far... Well, I have news for you. It's both expensive and dangerous. Yes, I know. So for two ninety nine, I can pretend instead. Mm-hmm. Good. So you didn't buy much. Mm-hmm. That's a change. However, uh oh, <laughs> a few weeks ago uh-huh. was the Too Many Games convention. I heard of that. That was back starting on June twenty third. So I went to that. Met up with one of our friends who also attended, and I didn't really get too many games, even though it's the name of the convention. Yeah. <laughs> but I did get some books. Books. Too many books, huh? Too many books. Or, you know, game books. Just what you need. More books. Uh-huh. Well, there's always a table there from uh, Hardcore Gaming 101, which is a really good website. They have a lot of in-depth articles about every kind of game you would imagine. A lot of obscure stuff. Lately, they've been putting out books the past few years. So, I think the owner of the site, Kurt Collada was running at the table and selling his books there, and I picked up uh, a few new ones that I didn't have yet. Picked up Sega Arcade Classics Volume 2, Data East Arcade Classics, Contra and other Konami Classics, a lot of classics, as you can see, mm-hmm. The Guide to Shoot 'em ups Volume 1, mm. and Retro Game Super Translation Selection, which I think it, that? it's what it sounds like. It's behind the scenes on translating some... Oh, how they localize games? Some, yeah. The U.S.? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That sounds interesting. It <laughs> is, it is. I find that very, okay. very fascinating. And he was sharing a table with uh, another author who was showing off a book called The Overstreet Guide to Collecting Video Games. And while I don't think that book is really tailored to someone like me or you... I was just kind of interested to see what kind of content it would have. Overstreet is known for doing their comic book buyer's guide. So there's no pricing information in this book. It's just all about what games are important or what games are sought after. Do they mention anything about how to spot a bootleg? uh, I wonder. Maybe they do. That seems to be a big trend these days. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure I know how to do it. Yeah, especially among card collectors. Mm -hmm. That would be a problem. Yeah. So that was my book haul, though. And I did pick up a couple of games. I picked up two games for PSP, because PSP is kind of cheap right now. you got to fill in those last couple of games that you're missing. Last couple. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I picked sure. up Afterburner, Black Falcon. Okay. It's uh, released by Sega, obviously. Is that similar or anything close to Climax? Is it based on that? I don't think it's directly related. It might have come out a little bit before that one. Mm. Well, Climax was the arcade game, wasn't it? I know it was out on Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah, I think it was originally an arcade game. An actual arcade game? Okay, that's news to me. Okay. And then I also picked up some other PSP RPG from Atlas that I didn't have. And let me guess, it had anime girls on the cover. Let me think. I think this one had some kind of monster on it or something. It's called uh, Jewel Summoner, so it's a lesser known game. Mm -hmm. That's kind of it, though, for that show. I didn't really pick up too much more beyond that. So, more like... I already have too many games. Yeah, that was my approach. 
There's definitely games I could pick up, but I was not really in the There's market. There's always games we can pick up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Great. Well, I think it might be time for us to discuss some feedback. We haven't dug into the feedback. Feedback. I mean, feed, feedback. <laughs> feed, feedback bag for a while. <laughs> so I think there was a comment on our last episode, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from Earl Grey Third, episode 131. Mm. Earl Grey says, The Earth Defense Force series is probably one of my favorite ongoing franchises around. Mm. There's a certain charm to the B-movie style that they use, and once you get to the point of exploding robots... The game gets immensely satisfying. Mm, I would agree. I do agree with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> While 360 games, Xbox 360, are still available, I've been buying up every copy of 2017, I find, and gifting it to people for unfamiliar with the series. <laughs> I explain that it's not perfect, but totally worth their time. For $6.99, it's worth picking up just to see people's reactions. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that game is so cheap. Yeah, he's like the Johnny Appleseed of EDF. He, that, you know what? He is that way. You're right. Plants that seed, and then he watches the tree grow. You hope that it grows. And you hope that and, it's not a giant ant. Or a sour apple. But a giant ant would be much more scarier. <laughs> right. You gotta spread the EDF love. Doing good things in the world. I like to hear that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's one last thing. He says, to save our Mother Earth from any alien attack. Mm-hmm. You got to say that in the tune of the march, like a yeah, marching the, tune. Uh, the, what is it called? To the... save our mother Earth from I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what was the EDF song? They say it as to save our mother Earth from any alien attack. Oh, like that? Yeah. Oh, I, I get it. The EDF right. deploys. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Isn't yeah, it, I, I totally is? forgot how that went. Actually, mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. played the game a month ago. <laughs> hey. Well, now you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how about uh, comments on episode 130? Bonk's Adventure was the topic. And Greg Izzy commented and said, I was always intrigued by Bonk back in the day. Looked great. But when I finally played it on emulators, realized it didn't hold a candle to Mario or Sonic. Yeah. And I think you would agree with that. Well, very few games mm-hmm. can be compared. Well, those are the pinnacle of that style. Or that style. Although Earthworm Jim, I think, could have been a good mascot for a console. Mm-hmm. But maybe not. I think many people would disagree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had the potential, but, you know, he was just groovy, so. <laughs> he was multi-platform, so he didn't represent a specific system. Yeah, he, was, he did his own thing. Mm-hmm. Greg also mentions Leon loves his limited release finds, which always seem to be brand new. (laughs) Do you buy anything used anymore? I don't have a lot of opportunities to buy used games that often. Uh, I mean, obviously, I just talked about this convention that I went to, and even there, I didn't buy a whole lot of used games. The toy show we went to Mm. also recently, there was some games there, and I don't remember you buying anything. Yeah, I saw them. I was very focused on a very specific toy line while I was at the show. So are you at a point where you think you have everything that you've wanted, game-wise? Or is it just you down to those games that are just very hard to find or super expensive? And- mm, I don't think any of those things apply. I think it's just a matter of... I don't really have enough of a focus. A lot of collectors, they might be like, Oh, I'm trying to complete the U.S. set for this particular system. Or... Mm-hmm. You know, some people might say, I only buy, you know, whatever, ColecoVision games or something. I don't really have that specific focus. So I'm, I'm so scattershot that I never really complete any particular interest. Uh, I like to dabble in a little bit of everything. But a lot of the new games that I buy are things that are of... There's a limited opportunity to get some of these games, as evidenced by the name of the company that puts these out. Uh-huh. I feel like I, I only have one chance to buy it, pretty much. So, if I want it at all, I just need to get it when it you're comes out. You're the perfect customer. Because <laughs> you see that, you say limited, uh-huh. so that thing in your mind turns where mm. it says, if I don't buy this now, I'm either going to have to overpay for it later on, or I just won't be able to get ever get it again. Yeah. Regardless of if I want it or not. Yeah. Well, I did pass on a recent... How dare offering you? <laughs> that they put out. Why would you do that? Because it was very expensive. 
And already, it, it didn't even come out. Well, they had a uh, pre-order period, which they don't usually do, mm. but they did it for this game because this game is being made to order. However many orders they get is how many they make. A new PC game called Lawbreakers, which is an online I I heard that, FPS yeah. shooter type of game. I didn't jump in on that one because I think it's like $79. And I've played the game a little bit, and I feel like I'm not going to play it, really. So I kind of passed mm-hmm. on it. Decided not to really dive into that. A wise choice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I'm running into now mm-hmm. is that they're starting to put out games that I already have in my Steam library. And not that that's really stopped me before, but as they continue to do that more and more, it makes me question those purchases more. <laughs> because it's like, well, I already have the game. I already bought it. That's what I've been saying since the day one. <laughs> How can you buy a $40 game that you already bought for $2 on Steam? Yeah, well, usually it's like a $25 game. Okay, so I exaggerate to make my point. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, I don't know. There's a variety of things I could talk about. I mean, if there is an old game that I do end up picking up, mm. and there's something interesting to say about it, I'll bring it up. I'm trying to think of the last used game I bought. Mm-hmm. I'm really trying to think very hard. Mm-hmm. You have a very different approach to buying and playing games than I do. Yeah. I am looking for a used game. <laughs> you know which one it is, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's an Xbox 360 game? Oh, yeah. It's embarrassing. But when, I'll buy it at some point when it gets cheap enough. Uh-huh. I'm not going to say it. Okay. I'll save it. All right. Well, uh, Greg also made a point. We discussed the Xbox One X, that episode. Mm. And he also says the Xbox upgrading is confusing, but one would hope the new systems would just give you more features from the added horsepower while allowing the older consoles to run the same new games. And I think that is the approach they're taking. They don't want to cut off their existing install base and only concentrate on the new console because as of yet, it's unproven. And if you look at what Sony's been saying about their step-up model, the PS4 Pro, they say one in five console sales are the newer, improved model Mm -hmm. as opposed to the base model. It's only 20%. So I don't think they're in a position to concentrate on that just yet. Yeah. Maybe by the time they get to announcing a PS5 or an Xbox 2 or whatever the next one would yeah, be called. four more years. I don't know. I'm under the impression that they're going to continue with this approach. Oh, yeah. But there's going to be, at some point, I don't know, maybe they could go forever with this. I don't know. Why not? Previous console cycle lasted eight years. Yeah. Without any updates, really. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they might just do the PC approach, where it's like, yeah, it'll continue to run on a 10-year-old machine. But how many companies are going to constantly update their older games to work with the newer... Well, that's not really what they're looking for. He's saying, how about new games? Are they going to continue to work with the old hardware? Right. Yeah, as there must be at some point a cutoff. But a lot of the times, these games, you know, it's just like dip switches, where you just say, you know, lower all the details, the mm-hmm. ton of shadowing, you know, all those little stupid clicks that when you play PC games... You know, this will do it all for you based on your hardware. Mm -hmm. But I guess there'll be a point that it'll say, like, we can only turn this down so much and it's just not going to play on this original Xbox anymore. Right. Yeah. Maybe they'll they'll have to create something to put on the box that says, you know, requires... Yeah, or or maybe... Pro or better. That's the point where they have to say, well, this is the next generation of Mm -hmm. Xbox. That could be 20 years from now. It could be 10 years. Who knows? A lot can happen. Like we're already five years in, right? Or four years into the console cycle? Yeah, about four years. And, you know, everything still looks kind of the same, even on the pros. I don't notice any big differences. So mm-hmm. maybe we've kind of plateaued on how good things are going to look. Who knows? <laughs> going the other way, there was a comment about the Retron 77. We talked about uh, that new console, if you consider that a new console. <laughs> Yeah, Raul Angel mentions he will want to see if that console would be compatible with the Harmony card, which is the Atari 2600 flash card solution mm. that a lot of people seem to like using. Yeah. Terrible graphic on that, by the way. Did you ever see the artwork on that? It's like a yin-yang kind of thing. I don't really know what they it's were like going for there. Green. I don't get it. I, yeah, I've seen that. I don't really it's understand really awful. what it represents, but... But he does say when he gets his hands on one, he'll be putting it through its paces and testing it out to see... Good, do the dirty work. Just how compatible it really will be. Okay. (laughs) So, looking forward to that. 
So going back to episode 128. So Greg Izzy says, PC boxes during the 90s were just unwieldy. Some were the size of a large book, yet came with jewel case, manual, and ads. Mm-hmm. Tons of empty space. So you know exactly what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. They finally started getting it right around 2001, 2002, when they shrunk the boxes down to the size of a small DVD set. My favorite packaging remains the album-style folios back in the 80s. Mm. So I didn't really buy PC games, so I don't know what he's talking about. But (laughs) (laughs) I know the 80s early stuff of like Jupiter Mission for the Atari 800 Mm. and and the Zork series. But then I, I don't know anything until like the early 90s with like Blood and Wolfenstein and Doom. Like those boxes, I remember Tomb Raider. Yeah. I know the ones he's talking about, the ones that are kind of like, just a little bigger than a DVD box. Yeah. Those are kind of the ones I like, actually, because they were nice and compact. Isn't that what they've kind of gone back to? Right now, they're just basic DVD cases. Are they? Yeah. I thought yeah. they were, like, I thought in Walmart I've seen, like, they're like, they look like DVD boxes, yeah. but they're cardboard. Yeah, it depends on the game. Okay. It depends on the packaging, um, but they I mean, don't really go beyond that. I think they kind of stay to that small size. How many floppies are in there now? <laughs> Can you imagine? Most of them still have CDs, right? CDs or DVDs, yeah. Yeah. There's no just key to go online and download it, or I does both? I think that does happen sometimes. Because I haven't used a CD with my computer in about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, some of those retail boxes, they just have a Steam key inside. Mm. And they they mention that. They say it requires an internet connection, requires a Steam account. Thank which, you for buying this piece of paper. Which is free anyway. I mean, mm. it doesn't cost anything to create an account if you don't have one. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's the approach they take. They just want you know, a retail presence just to put the game in front of people that might not, otherwise mm-hmm. not have seen it or known about it. The ever-shrinking retail presence of video games. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. And finally, there was a comment on our episode 127 where uh, David wrote in to say about the Nintendo Switch. He says, I feel the lack of software availability is across the board with all new consoles. I think that's why I've been hanging back these past few generations. Whenever I bought a new console at launch, I was buying games I normally wouldn't just to have something to play. Hmm. Dreamcast was the notable exception. There was plenty to choose from as long as you weren't holding your breath for a VMU. Those were hard to get Hmm. originally. Were they really? Yeah, they were in short supply for a while. Wow. Okay. I never knew that existed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know a couple of friends bought import versions. Because those oh. were more readily available wow. at the shops that we would go to. And I had easy access to them. I had no idea. <laughs> eventually, eventually they caught up with demand. Huh. Um, I just remember like people talking about you can hack it and put like a virtual pet on there or something. That was just part of its normal functionality, oh, I think. Right. I remember that type of phenomenon, though, where you would buy a new console at launch, and you're like, well, what's out? I don't know. I guess I'll get these couple of random games and see what they are. Right. But I think, uh, specifically, with the GameCube and the Wii, even, I think I remember doing that, where I bought the system, and I went a little nuts. I'm like, I want this to make a big impression on my picking it up so early. I want to get, like, five games with it right away. Probably did buy a few things that I might not have otherwise have considered. I think I bought Beach Spikers for the GameCube at launch. <laughs> not even sure I heard of that game That's before. like a, it's that? a Sega volleyball game. Wow. Yeah. Didn't know that existed. Mm-hmm. I, that is a phenomenon. I think it's mostly psychological. Making me feel the purchase is worthwhile. I justified mm, buying the console by buying games that I might not have wanted otherwise. Yeah. There's a lot of slow starts, mm-hmm. and Switch seems to be one of them. But I feel like they released that almost as like a beta product. Mm. I feel like that's why they released it early, to get an idea of like how people are responding, what do they like, what do they don't like. So then when it comes Christmas time, they'll be able to tweak their marketing strategy, what the game they should push, like what direction their online server should go. Like They already changed a couple of things since mm-hmm. its launch, and I think that's why they released it early. Could be. People probably don't realize they're beta testing their machine. <laughs> Right. So far, all the Nintendo games I would want to play on that system I already own for Wii U. Mm. Uh, Whether it's Zelda or Splatoon or Mario Kart, I already own those games. So even if I bought one today, I wouldn't be picking any of those up. What if there was a trade-in program where Nintendo said, mail Mm. us your game, we'll mail you back a card. (laughs) 
that's uh, already I, been like. I would still pass on it. You would still pass on it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'd keep it. You don't want to break up that Wii U library. Right. Right. Those games are going to be hard to find in the future. Wow. <laughs> Hot tip, huh? You have foreseen the future. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. I think they're already hard to find. Mm-hmm. Prices never went down. Yeah. Well, I think the games are still floating around for people who still want to buy them. But the mm-hmm. systems have disappeared. Wii U. Yeah. Consoles, I think. You can get them refurbed online yeah. pretty easily. Yeah, from Nintendo. From Nintendo. Yeah. But I think they took back the consoles from they retailers. Did. Yeah, retailers had sent them all back. Uh-huh. There was never any clearance sale to no. get rid of them all. Unfortunately, no. Because that's what I was waiting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a refurb is just as good. I, mean, I don't it, want a refurb. It, but it probably is just like... But it comes in a generic box, probably. Uh-huh. Even though it's probably yeah, it's the like ones they box. sent back, they just open them up and... Right. They just recertified them. Yeah, that's it. And it still comes with a full manufacturer's warranty and everything. Mm, yes. Yeah. It does. Best packing <clears throat> game. Go ahead. For a system? A new, over a new console launch. Best packing game. Mm. Or your favorite. I shouldn't say best. What was your favorite? Uh, I'll give you mine. Okay. Donkey Kong on ColecoVision. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Yeah. That would probably be one of my picks, if you didn't already say it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really focus on the pack-in too much. I don't I don't think that's a selling point for me. Like, I either want the system or I don't. I don't no. know if the game that it comes with is enough of a reason for me to get it or not. Like, that's not going to be the breaking point. Mm. It's a nice-to-have kind of a thing. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I would say for the Switch, they definitely should have included uh, 1-2-Switch as the pack-in. Even mm. Not because it's a game I'd want to play, mm-hmm. but because I can't imagine that anybody would want to buy that game at retail. It is- criminal that they charge that much money for that game those games are just demos for the system Uh and if nothing else it just shows you what you can do with it but i I don't imagine that that would be a game anyone would want to play yeah or buy that's really a shame that they've had people spending money for that game Mm -hmm. i haven't played it i don't own it so maybe it's not yeah maybe it's maybe it's something that is interesting once you play it i don't know no i'm sure it is but i just don't think that that's the right thing to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for that console <laughs> i'm gonna wait and see what floats around in the holiday Maybe they are definitely easy to get now but i'm still waiting myself mm-hmm. even though that rocket league game has me very tempted to why switch now <laughs> well it's not out so until that, it's yes, out exactly you don't Thank have to worry you about for it. saying that and reminding me uh-huh. <laughs> i will not hit that add to cart button on amazon right until that game is officially out and tested. Mm-hmm. So I know how it is. Good deal. Good idea. Uh-huh. I think that wraps it up. Cause I don't have anything else. Yeah. How about you? I think that's it. Okay. So thanks for joining us. Appreciate your comments. Please leave us more at obbfeedback at gmail.com or visit us at facebook.com slash ourbrokenbytes. And with that, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you.